Hello everyone, welcome to the Joker Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Marcus, as always, joined by Matthew. Hello. Ah, nice. Hey, yo. Ah, uh, are we doing? Yeah, really good. good. Very good. I'm back. Hello. You're back. It was your so, dulcet so tones. lonely without you, Matt. Oh, three, three whole weeks away. Um, what do you mean lonely? I was here. Sorry, you forget about that. Lovely. I thought you went. Oh, right, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I you on mute. Right, well, the big question, Matt. How was the subway? Mm. <laughs> Quite enjoyable, actually. Um, I, I, I tried Quite the enjoyable. Yeah, I tried the once. I got a uh, six-inch... Shoot a mayo? No. <laughs> uh, six-inch peri-peri chicken. Oh. On garlic bread. It was quite nice, actually. Oh. I took I took plenty of photos of it. It's like this grandeur subway underneath this massive chimney. <laughs> what was it above it? Was it a big obelisk? That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And people praying well, outside. It uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I suppose it could have been a place of prayer to your cheese and toasted. Um I don't, I don't know, really. I wasn't paying too much attention to some of it. I'll be honest, when I, when I first listened to podcasts, uh, when you talked about it, I was like, what? Subway? What are they talking about? And then it dawned on me that I was like, oh, wait, we took a four. Hours. <laughs> so, I was going to say, did you not notice it? <laughs> well, obviously, I noticed like it, up. but I didn't, I didn't, like, assume much of it. Like, oh, Subway's like this here. I mean, anything to step not, up to a petrol station like, like what we've got, so. That's, that's not the norm of their Subways, but. Swiftly moving. Okay. Shall we move on to the news then? Yep, let's do it. Yep. Right, shall we kick off with the uh, the clear, obvious news again that we suspected <laughs> were probably going to happen? That's it. Since yeah, it's be a bi-weekly activation update. Jinxed it, to be honest. Yeah. So, the European Commission has uh, announced their verdict on the whole Activision Microsoft deal thing. And they've approved it. Mm. Yes. So this is taken from the European Commission website. It says the Commission's in-depth market investigation indicated that Microsoft would not be able to harm rival consoles and rival multi-game subscription services. At the same time, it confirmed that Microsoft could harm competition in the distribution of games via cloud gaming streaming services and that its position in the market for PC operating systems would be strengthened. Mm. So I won't read all of it because you can quite clearly just go onto the website and read it. It's fairly lengthy, and they do go into the reasonings for each part of this. But the main findings from the investigation were this. This is just the headlines. So they found, point one, Microsoft would have no incentive to refuse to distribute Activision's games to Sony. Point two, even if Microsoft did decide to withdraw Activision's games from the PlayStation, this would not significantly harm competition in the console's market. Three, even without this transaction, Activision would not have made its games available for multi-game subscription services, as this would cannibalise sales for individual games. Four, the acquisition would harm competition in the distribution of PC and console games via cloud gaming streaming services. And five, if Microsoft made Activision's games exclusive to its own cloud gaming streaming service, Microsoft would also strengthen the position of Windows in the market for PC operating systems. So they actually kind of agree in terms of the cloud gaming issue that mm. the uh, that Britain had but they seem to be willing to accept proposed remedies for that okay. 
which like which uh, is this to address the competition concerns identified by the commission in the market for the distribution of PC and console games via cloud gaming streaming services. Microsoft offered the following comprehensive licensing commitments with a 10 year duration, a free license to consumers in the EEA that would allow them to stream via any cloud game stream services of their choice, all current and future Activision Blizzard PC and console games for which they have a license and also a corresponding free license to cloud game streaming service providers to allow EEA-based gamers to stream any Activision Blizzard's PC, PC and consoles games. Mm. So the plot thickens in all this, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. I have to say, no, I thought no. they were going to approve this. Yeah, it seems they've not really piggybacked off what the CMA pushed in the cl- on the cloud side. Hmm. They they seem more happy with Microsoft's um I suppose way of, of uh getting around the cloud stuff uh than the UK was. Seems to be a, from what I was listening to, it seems to be the main sticking point for the UK's decision. It was all around cloud gaming and not Oh yeah. Yeah sort of wise. Um I feel like it's it's a bit tricky when it comes to the cloud stuff though, because like obviously Microsoft have had, well, they have the biggest um, market share when it comes to the cloud stuff. Um, there's no real competitors such when it when it comes to that, and like Google fell off. I know Amazon's got their whole Luna stuff, um, but how much of a share they they can really build or any sort of competitor. Coming in, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I don't think Luna will be. Well, I don't think Luna's got much of a chance. I mean, the infrastructure's there with AWS, obviously. Mm. Um, but they, they've not really got the catalogue of games, so I think they'll probably go the same way as Stadia did, just because they're not going to have them AAA titles that you come to expect. But one thing that I found funny about this is um, the MPs have started grilling the CMA to explain <laughs> why they've got a different decision to the um, to the European commi- um, to the European Commission. Mm. Well, why not? They're allowed to make that decision. That's why they exist. Well, that's it. So they've clearly investigated it and made that decision. Yeah. I mean, they could read the same articles that we've read in terms yeah. of why they've made that decision. Yeah. It's, it's, the, the thing is about these is... is both of these decisions is that they actually kind of agree with each other. It's just the EU, the EU is just willing to just accept the, you know, the um, these extra remedies, mm. pretty much. Whereas the UK just isn't. So, I don't know. So where the cookie crumbles, isn't it? Yeah. But do you think they'll end up referring to the decision in the UK? I, I do. I feel like there's going to be enough pressure, um, especially if it if it comes down that if the US also then um, agree to it, yeah. agree it, then it's, it's going to be like, well, you're the you know, <laughs> you're the hard one out. What are you, <laughs> yeah. you know, what are you doing? Um, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I can see I can see why all the pre- pressures come from like the MPs. Uh, that's so a lot of the. The articles from um, Mr. Bobby himself saying, you know, 
it's a, it's a bad day in the UK and stuff and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, I think shut his mouth. I think it's mainly that comment about the UK being closed for business and the MPs probably didn't like that. Obviously, them mm. being yeah, but that's why I said it. Yeah, to rile them. To be fair, Britain's been closed for business over the last few years, so <laughs> I don't think it's entirely wrong. Excellent point. I don't know. Yes. It's one of those things where the worst person you know has made a good point. <laughs> but actually, we, we, since you've not been here, we've we've not really got your opinion on this because they kind of agreed with the ruling that the UK made. I don't know whether he's changed his opinion now, but what was your thoughts about that? Um. I mean, I can I can see it from from the point of view of cloud gaming. I think it's, it's clear that Microsoft are pretty much like the biggest players in that in that market. And I think getting that sort of deal co- coming through, whether they can make you know the same arrangements for you know with like Amazon or whoever else, you know, um, Steam, obviously Valve have their own sort of cloud market um whether there be certain agreements with them as well i I can definitely see the dangers in in those terms of like keeping those games away from like even uh epic you know they've got their own game stores and such um so i see it from that point of view it would be pretty dangerous and would probably agree from those terms with what the C, um, CMA ruled. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, to be fair, it's, it's an interesting point. I don't think anyone's really brought up ever since this the news broke out that Microsoft was buying them. No one thought about the PC side of it. It was all Sony, you know, them arguing over Call of Duty and, uh, and everyone that seems to be going in favour for this this deal of like ignore Sony like show you know um, but then they've gone ah but the PC market that's important as well we've no one's thought about that so yeah I, it's it's a tough one it is a tough one but I can definitely say from a PC cloud point of view that you don't want to let Microsoft kind of rule over there really the question for me though is it's is cloud gaming actually going to become a thing? Like a big thing? Because in my head, I just, it, I don't see it as, I have no interest in cloud gaming. I don't care about its future. I will never go down that route. Unless gaming is forced to be cloud gaming for whatever yeah. reason. I, I think as, as I think Nathan mentioned previously, like, I don't think the infrastructure is there yet. Um, for proper yeah, no, cloud game. But my point is, even if it did, even if it did, it still wouldn't interest me as a thing. Yeah, but that's us as a demographic. Well, I think that, in 10 yeah. years' time, it might be. I think different. you have to think of like the casual market, like people on mobiles and stuff. Like it'll all come to mobiles, and then it'll be. You know, I would never play games on mobiles. This is kind of my point. It's the, you're well, taking away. No, I think I think the core market. Would never be interested in this. Just how like VRs just never caught on with with the core market, but mm. the casual side of it is never thought about. And like once cloud gaming becomes realistic, where you can game properly, game on the go anywhere, no lag whatsoever, I think it will be 
massive. And then it will be a turning point for Microsoft. Like if they have that lead, then who else can play with them sort of thing? Dunno. This doesn't seem like a thing for me. Just, just, I, I, it, just, it, it I, I literally have no interest in cloud game at all. <laughs> Yeah, That's I think in, in the future, like probably our children, they'll be the ones that to target this at. Because if you're a parent, you'll be saying, right, why spend 500 quid on a console when I can sign up for this cloud alternative and I can get it can game on the iPad, whatever, and pay £10 a month, for example, and sign up to that subscription model. And not have to pay that initial outlay and then however much for each game. I just think eventually it will get to a point where most people will sign up for a service and it'll be just like Netflix. You'll put your telly on, you'll have your Fire Stick or Google Chromecast plugged in and you'll stream games from a server farm and it'll be as easy as flicking through games, selecting what you want to play, it'll pop up on screen, there'll be no latency and you'll just game without even thinking about it. It's probably not for us because we're of the generation of physical content. But for the next generation, I think that's where it's going to come well, into two, its own. Two of us are, no? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I like my physical stuff as well. Yeah, saying that, you have got a pile of collectibles also, behind you, so. Yeah. Definitely one I'll be showing off a little bit later. But late breaking news Ooh. is that the deal has also been approved by Chinese regulators. Yeah, I saw that earlier. So I think that's 27 countries out of 37 now that's approved it. Who's, so who's yet to uh, announce the decision? I, I've not heard from Japan. I think Japan approved it. Did they? Believe it or not. Okay. But I, that might be a case of Xbox doesn't really have a great market there anyway. Yeah, they probably don't care. They're just like, yeah, exactly. yeah sure. We're, we're all about our Nintendo. So. But obviously America's the big one, isn't it? Well, that'll be the biggest one. If they get through there, then I think they, there will be massive pressure for UK sort of re-review. But aren't they? It's, it, there are concerns about America, though, isn't there? That it yeah. might be rejected. But, yeah, well, Microsoft have had their fights in courts before, haven't they, with the, um, the whole um, being unfair against comp- uh, competitions and stuff. They, yeah. I think they, they lost one, didn't they? They lost a, a lawsuit. They were trying to acquisition something. I forgot what it was. It was like years ago, and the uh, courts ruled against them, saying they'd be they'd be too powerful. Mm. So we'll see. Suppose Definitely we'll see. interested, though. Mm. I don't know when that decision is supposed to be made, though. I wouldn't have thought it'd be too long now. Well, they do seem to be coming thick and fast now, these decisions. So. Yeah, the flying through. Well, I think we mentioned uh, in the last pod that they've only got a certain amount of time to get the deal finalised, otherwise they'd need to pay a £3 billion fee to push it along or mm. renegotiate the fee, potentially. See if we can get it down a bit. <laughs> okay, see, Warzone 2 is not doing very well. We'll knock off about £10 billion there. Well, Cosby doing well. Well, obviously not, maybe not Warzone, but Modern Warfare 2 has been doing fantastically for him. Right, should we move on to PlayStation then? Yeah, go on then. 
So they've oh, announced they're going to have a showcase. Showcase. Uh, this coming Wednesday, the 24th of May. Ooh. So tomorrow, when this podcast comes out. Yeah. 8 o'clock in the evening, I think, isn't it? 9pm. Is it 9pm? Ah. Yes. And 1pm 1 1 Pacific time. Yeah, don't US. care about that. <laughs> oh. Okay, steady on. Uh, and that it will last about an hour. Oof. So, fairly decent length. Yeah. I'm rumor... Oh, God. Now, I was just going the, the rumour mill has been circulated. Of course it has. That it has. As to what has been, what is going to be shown off. There's talk of uh, Konami stuff. Yeah. Something that you guys will be interested in. Mm. Give me a new Castlevania. That's all I care about. Well, you never know. But there's rumours of a remake of Metal Gear Solid 3. Which would be interesting. Do you think? Interesting that they're doing um, 3 for this one. Um, I know it's... Arguably, it's, 3 is probably the best in the series, you could say. Um, I was, I was never know why they don't touch some like the old Nintendo ones, like, you know, like the original Metal Gear. I'd love to see some like that in 3D. Like, reimagine that. Yeah, but when you haven't got Kojima at the helm. They're not going to have Kojima at the helm ever again, unless they bring him on like a... No, but it's a remake. No, but you're, remaking, you're just remaking the game that already exists. With, with that, you would have to produce an entire new game. Yeah, and then they could bounce a whole new series off of it if they want to. <laughs> yeah, but the point is without Kojima, it's not going to be the same, is it? You're not going to have that in-depth lore or and all that are you I think you need him on board for that stuff well that's why we got Mel Gear Survive so well, unfortunately say no more playing that, so. <laughs> was that the um, game that came out on PSP that one no that was um, that was the game that Mel came out acid. after um, that's what we called Mel Gear 5 uh, Mel Gear Sword 5 oh do you mean Peace Walker no, Metal Gear Survived. Do you know the one that was meant to be like a zombie no. take on no, Metal Gear? I'm, I'm talking about what Nathan was on about. Oh, PSP. Could PSP be a few. Acid, there was... Uh... Acid was... Uh, Acid was like peculiar. the card game. Yeah. yeah. I had that. Um, I went for that. There was Peace Walker, but I feel like there was, there was something else beforehand as well. There's Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I never got to play those. I did play the HD remaster of Peace Walker. Quite enjoyable, actually, on the Xbox. Yeah, I think I played that when it got released on PS... something. Whatever it was. I don't know. I can't remember, I can't <laughs> remember what three. it was. Yeah, probably. Is, um, there anything, anyway. is there anything in particular you'd like to see? What, is this Konami now, or is it just in general? Oh, just... PlayStation Joe. Just in general. I think it's probably inevitable that we are going to get some Spider-Man 2 stuff because it is fairly... It's going to come out soon, isn't it? So I think they're going to show us some something. I'm excited for that. I would, I would like to see something from Spider-Man 2. Maybe a bit more about Wolverine? I, think I don't know about that. still a little too early for Wolverine. I don't see the point in advertising that before Spider-Man. Hmm. I mean, you could do it at the same time, but I don't know if they'd have any gameplay to show. 
Oh, I wouldn't want to see it. Cause it I, I don't see the point of showing that off yet. Let's just have one Marvel thing at a time, shall we? Well, I mean, when when we had years of like Avengers and Guardians going on at the same time. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of stuff that I've been heard rumored. There has been murmurs about a PS5 Pro for next year. To be honest, personally, I don't see why they need it. But and just after people have just been able to get PS5s, so no. yeah. Bring out it has been like, <laughs> it's been three years though, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's probably it's, it's, about it's, it's, time for at least some sort of news, maybe. Yeah, but only recently it's been announced that scalp is no longer a problem. So I don't see the oh, problem. Oh, it's still a problem. Uh, it's not the problem with what, though, is it? No, no, I know what you mean. Um, I mean, yeah, I, know I, what, I know what I want to say. Goes to Tsushima sequel. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say Job Simulator 2 then. <laughs> I'll take that as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I st- I still need to get my hands on that on that game. Still still outside my, my job price range that one. No, sorry, <laughs> uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, yeah. Well, probably end job Simulator. Which one would you want? Would you want the director's cut for PS5? Oh yeah, I'm not gonna mess around with like missing content. Do that PS4 crap. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get onto that Legends mode. Mm. That'd be a good laugh, though. We say yes. that, we're never going to get our FIFA. Well, uh, <laughs> Do you think they would somehow show off anything from Rockstar? No. I think they'd be saving that for Summer Games Fest if they were going to show us something. Oh, it'll, it'll be the biggest exclusive nope. that Jeff Keighley will absolutely want for himself. No, I... The, this is the thing. I don't think they get involved in any other presentations. They just do things themselves. True. They'll just, they'll I think, just I think throw they out tease. I think they used to do PlayStation stuff because I remember GTA 4 was announced via a PlayStation event. I think it was at E3. I think. I feel like I recall it. I thought it just had a trailer. I remember that trailer. In fact. I thought it was shown at E3. I could be wrong. I could very well be wrong. My memory's. Because I remember it, no the website, I remember the website having a clock on it, and then he just showed it. And you could be right. Mm. But no, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't expect that. Unless we're getting a new GDA 5 version. <laughs> Which, <laughs> let's be honest, wouldn't shock me. things have happened. We've already got a PS5 version of GTA 5. Why do we need them? Right. <sighs> just try to think what I'd potentially want to see from... PSVR 2. Because I do think they need a, another killer app because they have price drops it recently. So, yeah, they could do we giving us something good. Maybe, maybe GTA 5 VR? <laughs> no. I, that would, that would make me so nauseous. Could you imagine doing it in like more planes, you can like orbit all laser and you're just flying through the air spinning. <laughs> Ragdolls. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what, do you know what would be weird? Playing the chop scene in VR. <laughs> I think playing any scene in VR would be a bit weird <laughs> when it comes to GTA. Any dormant PlayStation franchises you'd like to see make a comeback? Resistance. I want that back. You love, you love your Resistance, don't you? I do. I just love the premise of it. 
and the time and the time um, period as well. Just the Cold War. This asteroid crashes into Russia. These aliens come out and start assimilating the Russians, and then the war begins. I'll tell you what I like to see. That's a bit graphic. Gorilla mm-hmm. to make Killzone. Then go back mm. to Killzone. Mm. Take a break from Horizon. Make Killzone. Aren't they reportedly working on that multiplayer for Horizon? Sort of. Heard. I believe so. Split your team. No. Well, they've they've you know they've got a big enough team. Tell her, I really liked Killzone. I didn't mind it. I I never played the last one they made, and it was it was enjoyable for it was. Because that was a launch for the PS4, wasn't it? Yeah, Shadowfall. Yeah, it's it? uh. Mm. So. You know, it's been a bit of time now, isn't it? Ten years, nearly. Let's yeah, get a new one. And plus, with the way the Microsoft deal's gonna go, mm. need to get onto that first-person shooter, maybe. Nah. Just they'll, saying. They'll refuse. Well, yeah. What about the Gears teasers, though? They were mentioned earlier. I think that's probably a reference to Metal Gear. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Gears uh, of War stuff. No, yeah, no thought about that, actually. Captain seen all the Gears stuff. That, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> you know what? I would like to see some sort of new news on um, any of the Yakuza games. Sorry, Like a Dragon games. Do we need more of them at the moment? I would. I'd like they to come see, like buses. Yeah, I don't. True. I've got enough to get through. Yeah, it's just like... I mean, they're great. Can't argue it. But let's well, the, we need a better break. Maybe a little bit on the spin-off they, they should have. What was it? Like Dragon, um, the man who erased his name. Maybe like get a bit of information like story-wise, what's going on there sort of thing. But yes, yeah, so we're probably talking about too much Yakuza. Uh, <laughs> My mind's gone completely blank. I don't know what, what else to think or what I'd want to see. Well, apparently there's going to be first person, first person, first party <laughs> and third party stuff shown as well. I think they said new first party stuff. I hope so. As according to their blog post, I think. So that's curious. Well, that could be. Mm. Well, I guess we'll find out on Wednesday. Yeah, it should be interesting. Well, going from PlayStation, should we talk about something that got teased, leaked, announced, and then more leaks straight afterwards? Yeah, go on. Sure. Because, you know, we love our leaks. So, um, Mr. Mr. Ed Boone of... uh, That guy. Of uh, Fighting Game Legacy, probably now. And... uh, not like say fame, I should probably use. Uh, throwed out a teaser on Twitter um, that seemed very MK related, showing a little clock clock dial, seeing the seconds dial from from nine. Well, it went from nine, ten, eleven. Funnily skipped twelve and went what straight to one. What could that possibly one. mean? Hmm, that seemed a bit of a tease, considering we're all waiting for MK twelve. Um. And unfortunately, all the news got leaked before the official announcement, <laughs> which you know, it is, is, as it always does. So we got a bit of a. Eventually, we got you know a cinematic trailer for the new Mortal Kombat. Um, Did you see that? 
That it looks, looks bloody mad. great. The intended. The gore is going to be out of this world. Um, yeah, like squashed heads. Love squashed like, heads. Uh, heads melons. ripped out of yeah. bodies. Uh, it's it pretty gruesome. Um, I think if I, if I'm if I'm right, the character that you hear the voiceover of is Liu Kang. I think. I believe so. Yes. Um, basically talking about him bringing sort of a, a new piece to this rebuilt world that he's done. I'm not mm-hmm. hugely familiar with the new MK story. I know it, it got rebooted at some point, and now it's being rebooted again. Yeah, it, it's the second Basically. gritty reboot. Yeah. So um, PS3, wasn't it? It, it became yeah, just so Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it was just yeah. Mortal Kombat. We were expecting Mortal Kombat 9, and they just called it Mortal Kombat. But then uh, they um, went to Mortal Kombat we X. X. Um, what, 10. And now, now it's 11. Now we're back to 1. Yeah. I mean, the reveal is now Mortal Kombat 1 again. It, it seems like they've taken Xbox's way of naming consoles and just put <laughs> it into games. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, interestingly, the, the trailer seemed to... Um, make note of a lot of being able to partner up with characters maybe some potential tag team fine might be yeah. first for more combat or maybe potential assisting I wasn't too sure we saw that way Sub-Zero and Scorpion didn't we that looked pretty cool yeah you saw a lot of mm. people getting together like uh, I think it was Raiden and my boy the guy with the scissor hat thing I forget his name um, odd job odd job <laughs> close enough as this uh, there was also I think Katana and Melina Melina so seems to be a togetherness as well um, so they also got announced that it will be coming out in September the 19th yeah um, so that's coming to pretty much all um, current gen consoles um, Nintendo Switch PC as well and that was all cool well, and then we just, got, say, hang on, just say there, there was a pre-order bonus as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, pre-order okay, bonus. Uh, Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung, yeah. He's the, usually the main antagonist of the series. Although I feel like he's related to Liu Kang in some way. I, think, I feel like I'm probably wrong. Again, I don't follow the MK universe. <laughs> um, but then that wasn't the last leaks that came from those announcements. Um, basically, all the uh, DLC currently planned for the game got accidentally revealed by product listing on Amazon Italy. Of all places. Accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, oh, well, there's, maybe that as well. So, the DLC files that we're expecting um, is... At least from the MK side of stuff, we've got Quan Chi and Irmac and Takada. Those are the, I suppose, MK regulars that were announced for DLC. As has been since, I think, MK9 or just more combat. Uh, we're also getting some guest characters from different IPs that Warner Bros. Mm. typically owns. Um, I'm sure one of them 
that I know Nathan will probably love because I'm sure he's watched the series or he's mentioned he's seen the series. Uh, Homelander from The Boys is coming. Yes. Oh, it's going to be brutal. I'm just um, going to laser people in the face. <laughs> I still need to watch that. It's really. I, good, I need mate. to watch it. I keep on hearing good things about it, and it is like it's superheroes, but if it was like in a more combat universe, basically, it's just brutal, gory. <laughs> It's like if yeah. Superman was just given Evil. the red crypt tonight permanently. Yeah, pretty much. Um, another character from the DC universe that's coming is Peacemaker. So Mr. John Cena might be making his... You can't see me because your eyes have been taken out. That'd be quite interesting. The last one that they mentioned that I'm actually quite interested in because I want... I would like to watch this series on Amazon, that's on Amazon as well. And it's also quite in the same ilk as The Boys. It's a superhero show that's very brutal, but it's animated style. Um, is Omni-Man from yeah. The Invincible. No, Invincible, sorry. Um, and I've seen clips of that animated show, and it could, it, it could, it could make, you know, it could, in terms of gore, it could make, you know, MK run for his money in terms of, like, matching that style of just absolute brutality. Um, heads get squashed. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of murder. So, perfect for the MK universe, really. They know what they're doing. Oh, they know. They definitely know. Um, I do hope he's also still voiced by... Um... Oh, no, I forgot the actor's name. Uh, plays J... J... Jameson in the Spider-Man films. Oh, um, I don't know what you're about. Oh, His name scares me, damn it. Yeah, it's escaped me at all. <laughs> I know you're on about that. Uh, he's in a, he, he plays, uh, yeah. Frank Fontaine. No. No, <laughs> no Omni-Man, um, voice of Omni-Man in, in, uh, it's, it's J.K. Simmons. Simmons. That's it, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Oh, that it's was... so similar to J. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So I hope he's, he voices him. That'd be brilliant. So yeah, look forward to uh, to a new Mortal Kombat this year. Well, it's one other thing. Is that um, as part of the Combat Pack DLC, there will be a Johnny Cage character skin with the likeness of Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm, doing cool. Doing doing dirty on Street Fighter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that man needs to collect money, right? Yeah, he's cracking on a bit now, isn't he? So yeah, going on. Need, need. Yeah, that's that's a bit random, but there you go. To be fair, I mean, if Arnold Schwarzenegger's been in already and Sylvester Stallone, it can only be natural that Mister, you know, kickboxer himself gets in. Yeah, I guess so. Any other news? Yeah, so talk a bit a bit of outrage. Go on then. Love that. Love a bit of outrage. outrage. Well, now. So there's been a bit of outrage. I mean, I don't play Overwatch myself, but there's been outrage about Overwatch 2. Oh, yeah. Mm. When isn't there? So Overwatch 2 launched with, well, I think quite little fanfare, to be honest. And I think a lot of people were wondering what the point of it was, actually, weren't there? Well, there wasn't much of a graphical upgrade from the original. And no. I think I recall they, they reduced people, the team numbers or something like that. Yeah, people really like it. You, we went from like 6v6 to 5v5, and people didn't understand why they did that. Yeah, but 
one of the key additions was they planned, uh, well, something that could justify having the, the two after the day. They were going to include a PVE mode. Mm. So this was, this was going to be a narrative driven multiplayer experience where people could squat, squat up and face AI enemies. Yeah. And, uh, each, like, you, you have heroes and they'll be able to have like progression trees and things like that and skills you will lock and all that. It's been announced that's going to get scrapped now. They're just doing away with it. Inevitably, that just caused outrage to the Overwatch creator. But now apparently it's just going to be like breadcrumbs of stories that's going to be put in with the, um, you know, like the usual PvP updates throughout. And everyone's unhappy with it. Because basically it's just like, what what was the point of even, again, this, this was the thing that was going to be the difference between Overwatch and Overwatch 2, and now they scrapped it. And everyone's like, why? Why have you done this? That was one of the few things that might have actually ended up getting me interested in Overwatch. But, well, it's definitely not happening. Not now. <laughs> well, that's it. It's, it's nice to have like a proving ground where you can kind of learn the mechanics without getting your ass kicked every two minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But... Call me a cynic, but I just can't help but feel that this is just like a case of we can't find a way to monetize this, therefore we're cancelling it, sort of things. Sounds very EA, to be honest. But... Sounds very Activision Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Not good. And the internet is an uproar about it. As it always is. But even worse is that apparently they knew this this was going to get canned towards the end of last year and they still played off like it was going to happen because they wanted to get those sales in before they announced it. Of course. So, underhanded tactics. Which I shouldn't be surprised about, to be honest. But there you go. Poor form. Do better. Makes you, makes you wonder who makes these decisions because I, I feel like i feel a little sorry for like the dev team because it's like i'm sure they just want to make like the best game possible and that they can and it's all these stuff that's planned and and you know the fans want to see and then it's just like oh well gotta get rid of it now because probably don't have the resources enough to do what we said <laughs> Then they're getting quite a bit of backlash on on Twitter. I think some probably, as you probably would expect, probably getting harassed. Yeah, that's crap for them. Because it's not it's not their fault. It's come from above, obviously, hasn't it? So all they do is what they're told, basically. If they need to work on a certain aspect of the game, that's what they do. So I don't think any hate should really be pushed at them. It always does, isn't it? Because they're the ones that are, like the public facing people on Twitter. Like even like a community manager probably gets abused for this kind of stuff. It's like, well, they've not decided this. Just direct all your hate to Bobby Kotick. I know, just provide his email, that's yep, all yeah. we need. Yep. Maybe his phone number. Yeah. Do you know who's close not. for business? Bobby is. Yeah. He needs to go. Whether this deal goes through at Microsoft or not, he just needs to go. Yeah. Second that. Right, so during the last podcast, we talked about a um, footballer called Erling Haaland and mm. what his favourite video game might be. Because off the back of breaking the 
scoring record in the Premier League. Um, it was asked what he was going to do after the game. He said he's going to chill out, have something to eat and play video games. And when pressed, um, he said it'd be too embarrassing if he revealed the game. Well, subsequently, we have the answer. Ooh. So he posted a picture of himself playing Minecraft. Okay. Uh, Minecraft? Is that embarrassing? No. Minecraft is a relaxing game. Yeah. I always enjoy a game of Minecraft too, every now and then. Like unless that's, unless that's just not the game it was referring to. Could have been. But it might be. Cause obviously I, mean, I still like the Barbie idea. Which does mean he was lying, though. <laughs> it was like, it's too embarrassing to mention, and then he just posted himself playing it. Yeah, but maybe he's not lying. Maybe for him he feels it's embarrassing. Cause Minecraft no, but he wouldn't have posted it then. Well, that's the point. Yeah, if it was maybe that realize, yeah. maybe just forgot they the had that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just taking a selfie. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's quite a universal game into Minecraft. Like all ages can play it, so maybe that's why he thought it might be a bit embarrassing because he might have a niece that plays it. It was like six years old. No, I, I reckon he's got like a server set up with all the other like Man City players. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got their own Minecraft server. They built a football pitch. And they they're, play. they're all like, help, help me find this cave. Help me with these creepers. <laughs> Dear me. I, I reckon um, Erling doesn't have like a pig pushing them into a volcano. I reckon he's really good at it. Like what happened to me. But that's said about that. <laughs> yeah, I tried to I tried to kill this pig and it ended up pushing me into a volcano instead. Which says you're right. That's what you get for trying well, to get that bacon. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I became the bacon. Yep, that's it. But yeah, now the age-old question is answered. Erling plays Minecraft. So, would you like to know a recent game that's come out that seems to have broken quite a few launch records? Ooh, wonder what that could be. No. Mm. No? Okay. Moving <laughs> on. Uh, go on, I could probably make a guess though, but go on. You'd probably make a guess. Well, there's a small, little, insignificant game that came out recently. Um, I'm sure not too, too many games, too many games, too many people were interested in this. It's just a little game that was called Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I might have vaguely heard of that one. Vaguely heard of it, yeah. So it's a bit of a mouthful, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, well, according to Nintendo themselves, uh, Tears in the Kingdom has become the fastest selling game in the history of the Zelda franchise. With three days only gone, it sold 10 million units. Which I was immediately then surprised that this has become the fast selling Zelda game, basically. Like, it was, uh, I think it was, it was reported somewhere that 10 million is more than a lot of the previous Zelda games have sold in their whole lifetime. Which I'm like, what? You wouldn't think that was true for how like big Zelda is. Um, I've not got any numbers on the other games which I'd sort of picked up, but I'd love to see what what those were. Um, yeah, it's just mind-boggling just how big Zelda is. Oh. And then uh, Nathan comes in with the clutch of uh, posting into the chat what those numbers are, if I can try and pull them up. They're not in any order. So. They're not in any order. They well, seem to be in series order, so I'll give them that. 
Yeah, but 10 million seems to be like the second best sales out of any Zelda game. Obviously, it's not I'm Breath, of the, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, at, low at, the moment, yeah at, at the moment, Breath of the Wild um, has just, well, just under 32 million. Um, but that's all versions combined. It's like you you look like the next best selling outside of tears is like probably what Ocarina maybe Ocarina of Time at seven point six million. Yeah, like seven point six. Yeah, that's it. No, sorry, Twilight Princess was next eight point six nine million. So you know Twilight, you'd think something like Skyward Sword would have sold a lot being on the Wii, but only got. 3.67. Like, really shocked that sold not too much. Um, I think hmm. that was more the kind of console the Wii was, though. It was more of a casual console, I think. But saying that, you've got to think the Zelda like, fans would have yeah. purchased it. Still, you know, it being a mainline Zelda game, you'd thought. Um, yeah, big surprise, but this game's off to a Rocket Star, I can only imagine it will probably surpass Breath of the Wild's numbers, maybe shortly, with the way it's going. Um, but not just that as well. Um, at least in the UK, it Zelda became the biggest box launch game this year as well. Um, sold 54% more than what Hogwarts Legacy did, which was the next best selling game in the UK um, which shows just how I suppose massive Zelda is still yeah I mean people have been waiting for this for a long time I think Hogwarts Legacy was a bit of an unknown quantity when it came out and it did have a bit of a backlash but I think that might have made certain people want to buy it more like me for example but um, yeah so, certainly living up to the hype Tears of the Kingdom currently so one other thing as well that I did get, that I'll just make a quick mention of, um, was, so um, there's two publications. Um, there's one in Japan called Famatsu that's been going for years. And we've got one in, I think, the UK, Edge. And apparently Tears became the sixth game to get both, like, a perfect score from both publications, um, which is impressive, you know, can't, can't sort of deny how big this game is. Um, I'd tell you to guess the other, the other ones, but at least three of them are other Zelda games. <laughs> right. Is one the Ocarina of Time? So, yes, yeah, so Ocarina of Time is one of them. Right, okay. And the other one? Two other Zelda titles. Oh, Breath of the Wild, other one. Breath of the Wild, yes. There's one more. Skyward Sword. Correct. Which I'm a bit surprised about, actually, because I think it got quite panned by critics, to be fair, when it came out. From what I heard, anyway. Like, fan reception is, like, one of the weaker Zelda titles. Um, there are two other games that are on there. Um, was one a Metal Gear? No, it was not. I thought I read Funnily enough. Is it a Pokemon game? It's not Pokemon. Uh... Can I give you a clue? Right, one of them is made by a Japanese developer. The other one is made by a 
British developer. British might give a clue. What do you think got perfect scores as soon as it came out from pretty much everyone? Hogs of War. <laughs> yes, Hogs of War. <laughs> perfect. Uh, I wish. That'd be amazing. Three? Four. No. No. Five, yes. Oh. Perfect score. This is why I don't. I, this is why. This is why I can't take this thing seriously. The thing is, I don't think any games has a perfect score. The thing is, whenever I read sort of like a five out of five or like a ten out of ten, it's a bad metric it's, though. It is a bad metric, but it's also like I don't. I never see it as like okay, this is perfect, but it's as close as perfect as you're gonna get. Like I, I, I don't think it's ever a perfect game. I'll put you in misery on the last game because I don't think you'll ever guess it. It was Bayonetta. Really? Yeah, perfect scores. How? Because it's a good game. What do you mean how? It's, it's good, but it's not perfect. Well, it was, if it just, you know, people bought it. Uh... The only thing perfect about Bayonetta is her arse. <laughs> oh, wow. righty then. <laughs> um, they did give a list of like other games that have gone, like, Perfect in one, but just one point off the others. But I'll not spare you through those. Um, so, yeah, seems seems like Zelda is running wild at the moment. I think the best metric is probably percentages. Yeah, I did used to click the um, Game Master magazines, and they had percentages. I was quite like those. Yeah, but I think I think now I prefer like you either tell me if it's good or it's not. So, yeah, that's it. It's, is it good? That's all I want to know. Like, just, um, just give me the like, pros and cons and let me make the decision. I kind of like how um, I think Eurogamer did it. They give like a like if it's brilliant, it's like you. It's, they give like an essential. You need to play this. If it's good, it's like they recommend it. Anything else can be just like just nothing. Or if it's like really bad, then they tell you to avoid it. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll finish off on a very quick piece of news that happened sort of while away. And actually might tempt me to now start playing a certain game that came out that I was part of due to certain things, shall we say. Um, so Hogwarts Legacy um, recently got a patch um, for it's time for when it, well, due for when it comes out on the previous gen consoles as well. So it is coming out on PS4 and Xbox One series. Sorry, yeah. Yes. It was out while I was away, though. But there was a particular right. thing in the yeah. There was a tic- there was a tic- thing in the patch that might convince me to start playing the game now. Um, which is that they released a arachnophobia mode for it. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's good. Um, so apparently, what what this mode does is it turns all the spider enemies into like these like blocks of um pink balls they've got this like etched face on and where the um, legs would be they're removed with just like they're invisible but at the bottom they'd be wearing like um, rollerblades <laughs> um, so they look a bit funny <laughs> right I'm going to make a serious point here. It's like, I, I get I get the idea behind it and all that yeah. but isn't it just a case of it's just breaking immersion is that why don't why did they just replace it with another thing that's realistic but not a spider? 
Because then it just becomes like a comedy sideshow in the middle of a game. I suppose so, but like, how how do you handle that? Because it's like, but well, I don't know. But it just seems it just seems weird to me. <laughs> it's just like it, instead of coming out of a film, it's just don't put the spider in to begin with. The thing is, as you play the game, there's webs and stuff that you've got to get through with your spells. So I guess it can't you need them there in some capacity, and also you can pick up materials from them once you've killed them. So there's the crafting mm. aspect as well. So there's a couple right. of reasons in there why I'd probably say to keep them in, but change them up a bit to oh, yeah, help I people think, with I the think what it, yeah, I think what it also does as well, it removes the, the webs in the game um, and the um, noises that they make as well. But I think in the... Have they got, they've got like a monster encyclopedia, I think, within the game, if I'm... Yeah. If not mistaken. I don't think they actually make any changes within there. So like the sketches or models of of them are still sort of within there. But yeah, it's it's interesting to to start seeing a lot more games starting to do this now. Like it's, it seems to have like grounded seems to be like the first one that really started to kick it off, like having like a proper arachnophobia mode in there. And like. So many other games I've seen now like seem to have like a incorporated mode for it. Well, I'm glad it wasn't there at launch because Lisa's cousin played um, Hogwarts Legacy and she is crap scared, crap scared, crap scared <laughs> of spiders and just getting the videos of her screaming at the screen, telling the spiders to f off, was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I didn't lose that. Uh, yeah. If, if only it was around the time when I was playing Skyrim. Just also in front of me, just in case you weren't aware, there is also an arachnophobia mode in Jedi Survivor. I've heard about this. You know what? I've, I've not, strangely enough, I've not seen any marketing for this game where I've seen those type of creatures. Like, they were in it for Jedi, uh, Order. Fallen mm. Order, I should say. Um, so I'm interested to see, like, did they bring these ones back? Are they slightly different? Because I know there's different variants of of spider creatures within the Star Wars universe. Funnily enough, I was looking this up as well, uh, very off topic. Um, there's one game that's called, um, I think it's Shadows. Oh, I've always fully called. It's just like. Um, Almost like a sketched game that's on, on Nintendo Switch um, that you play that's got like an arachnophobia mode. But it's the first game that I've seen an arachnophilia mode. Where instead of removing the spiders, you get more spider. <laughs> I'm like, who who sick enough would put that in the in the game? Why would you do this? Why would I need more? Some people might like them. Not many people. But <laughs> some, some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> but not the spiders. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, they keep them safe. Um, but yeah, this this might tempt me to start playing Hogwarts Legacy. You never know. Yeah, It's a cracking game. I'm sure you'll enjoy it if you do get around to it. Well, I guess that's it for the news. Shall we move on to what we call it, play? Let's do it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Matthew, you've not been here in a while. Why don't you kick us off? The floor the is yours. with a story. The floor is mine. Right, well, just the 
three games on my list. Um, so before I left on my jolly holidays, uh, I did manage to play and complete uh, Yakuza 6. Oh, nice. Ooh. So got that one out of the way. Um, so certainly will not have room to talk about. Yep, eventually I will run out of uh, Yakuza games, but there's still a couple to go. So, um, yeah, so I, I pretty much uh, continued from Chapter 5. Um, and, I mean, throughout the game, it's, it's just your sort of typical twist on twist with a little twist of lemon as well to add to it. Um, twists galore. Uh, you, you know, you switch between um, Kamurocho and Hiroshima um, within this game, continuing... Well, continuing and well finishing the story of um, Mr. Kazuma Kiryu, or you would have finished the story had I not known what happens in um, Like a Dragon. But uh, sorry, that's that's yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't really spoil myself on that ages ago, so I didn't have to do that. So um, what can I, what can I really say about this game? Story-wise, I think it's it might actually be one of my favorite stories out of the entire series that I've played so far. Um I I just I, I love all twists and turns that you go through with Kiryu and um so his, his reasoning of being in between some of Kamurocho and Hiroshima, um getting in between so sort of, you know, the Tojo clan, what they're up to, they seem to have a bit of a you know, negative feelings for Kiryu for stuff that's been happening sort of in between this game and the fifth one um, and then this other um, Yakuza family that's in uh, Hiroshima as well, how sort of Kiryu gets involved with them what their involvement is in his whole story and um, sort of the relationships that he builds there and stuff, it's, um, it's absolutely wonderful honestly, I think towards the end there's, there was a few scenes where I think I was properly like Shedding a tear or two is proper emotional. Following this, you know, one character's journey through, well, supposing game about, you know, 10, 20 years now. So the amount that he's gone through and that he goes through as well. Um, I will say there was there was a scene towards the end, just for probably like the final boss fight that was a little brutal and kind of hard to watch. Just sort of the the amount of hits that Kiryu takes seems like if this is like like a real person he'd probably de- be dead honestly <laughs> like I mean a, lo- a lot of the stuff that happens in the Yakuza games anyway you think Kiryu would be like a mass murderer at this point to be honest um so <laughs> you know you can do like he actions of like throwing people in in microwaves and burning the face off so I don't know how he's not murdered someone but you know canon to the games he's actually never killed someone so fair play to him Gameplay-wise, I've enjoyed this one. I do think the combat with this one being the first one in the Dragon Engine is a little clunky at times. Like I think, like unlocking um, his techniques and stuff, there's not much depth to it compared to sort of previous games in the entry, like Zero and Kuwami, where you've got at least sort of four different fine styles you got four different you know sets of moves to sort of unlock this is just like one straight move set and it's, there's not much to it really kind of your typical sort of block dodge um parrying and that kind of stuff 
So it was it was fine for what it was. So there wasn't as sort of clunk as something like three three was for sure. I also think like mini game wise as well, there's not as much to do in this game. I don't know. If, I I sort of read a little sort of behind the scenes whether they they got rushed a little bit so they couldn't do as much within this game compared to sort of previous ones or not. But I mean, what isn't there's fairly solid. So I mean, I just. I, I love my time in Camarocha every time I sort of come to it, and um, this time was no exception to this one. One uh, one mini game that I did enjoy uh, that lights that Mark would appreciate because he spoke about it in a previous podcast was that they had Virtual Fire Five in this. Um, so got got to play a little got to play a little bit of that. I will warn you, I don't know if this is for every Yakuza game that has Virtual Fire Five in it, but there seems to be a Game breaking bug. Whenever you play as the character Akira, I think it is the Ryu-looking clone fella. Um, if you if you play as him and you get to like the I think it's the final round, it it just broke my game. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um, I don't know why. I've I've tried to like research about it. I think it's it's something to do with this remaster, not the remastered version. Um, Something, something's happened. I don't know whether like a patch has broke it or something, but I just saw people just advise sort of stay away from playing as that character. So if you do play that game in in Yakuza 6 or any others that you find it, try and avoid playing as Akira. But yeah, no, I I, I just I just I love this game. I think it's, it's one of my favorite ones. Um, probably next to Zero, definitely in terms of story. Absolutely loved it and. Um, Definitely looking forward to sort of moving on and getting on sort of the new the new protagonist in uh, in seven at some point, which I won't be talking about here because after this I did briefly move over to playing Judgment yeah. as the next one that I'm going to play in the series. I don't want to quite get seven. I'm kind of doing it in chronological release order so i'm gonna move to, i'm going to, going to try judgment next which i've started um so judgment if you don't know what that one is that is a essentially a spin-off game um from the yakuza series uh but it's got more of a detective vibe to it you're not playing as a as the yakuza in this one anymore uh you end up playing as takayuku yagami um, who's the main protagonist in this? So this so far, and I've, I've bare, I'm probably only like about an hour in it, so I'm not too far into it. But so far, the story in this one um, is Taka at the moment. It starts in 2015, and you are in his sort of like attorney offices. So you get to meet a few of the a few of the characters, and they start talking about this case that um, he represented someone in Taka that he successfully sort of cleared on any charges. Um, and then you find out in on this sort of TV broadcast news um, that the person that he's just cleared has um, now been arrested for murder of his girlfriend. Um, which apparently like shakes Taka to his like his core. He's like he didn't know what to do about this like news and stuff. Like this guy that he's just cleared has now just murdered someone. Um, very quick 
time skip after this. It goes three years at on. We're in 2018 now, um, back in Camarocho, the place that we know pretty well by now. Um, and Taka is now a private investigator. And early on in the game, he's got his, uh, he's got his friend who's an ex-accuser um, tailing this other guy for suspected owing money, basically. And the game kind of kicks off where this sort of group of indiv- individuals um, bump into Taka, kind of stop him from his investigation and basically want to start a fight with him. So you immediately go straight into fighting, which is like prime Yakuza, basically. So combat here is is a little a little bit snappier and a bit more varied than what it was in six. Um, you've got two different fighting styles for Taka. You've got the crane style, which is used primarily for um, sort of group fighting. It's, it's very focused on crowd management. Um, and then you've got things called the tiger style, which is focused on one-to-one. Um, I've not delved too much into it. That's just sort of sort of the very basics on what they do. Um, you do seem to move a little bit quicker in the crane style because I think it's more about kind of dodging and sort of coming in, getting quick attacks in, and then sort of come back, coming back out, parrying and stuff. Whereas like the tiger one's solely focused on the kind of little, a little brawl kind of style. Um, once I'd finished that, um, then it moved me into um, this new mod they made for Judgment, which was um, tailing the suspect. So essentially what you do is you, you follow um, like the suspect on the streets of Camarocho, and there's um, parts of the street that they've made where you can sort of hide behind like maybe like a dustbin, or you hide behind like a wall or like a sign or something. Um, just so that they don't spot you. Like sometimes, like suspect will stop, maybe have a look around, um, and you're not meant to like get too close or anything. Or you like obviously, you then become suspected by the person. You like bail a mission basically. That that's not too bad. Um, being introduced to that. As soon as I got introduced to that, then I went straight into a new another new mode that used the first person to basically like um, inspect the scene basically you're looking for like pieces of evidence that um will match up to like the crime scene or the suspect and stuff um that wasn't too bad either sometimes you can um pick out stuff that doesn't mean anything to the to the scene either so you gotta like make sure what you've picked up right and then i went straight into that i went into a very quick sort of chase sequence um where in this one it's very much kind of on rails now. You don't have you don't have full control on where you kind of run. You can like run left and right and do you can dodge certain obstacles that way. Else, if you do come to an obstacle, they give you like a quick time event now. So you have to like press the button, sort of successfully navigate it. But else, you like hit and then you like slow down. Then you have to try and sort of build that distance back up to who you're chasing. Um, so there seems to have like changed a few things here and there for for this for this game to be very specific to i suppose the judgment series didn't get much further after that really so at the moment it's it's fine um camarocho again looks 
probably the best it's it has currently because this is as far uh, this is further along in the dragon engines like evolution i suppose they've really worked on it quite well so um looking forward to do a little bit more to it they i do like some of the combat aspect where um like when you're in the crane style i should say you can do stuff like um jumping off the wall and then like you can move into like a different um combination so that you can like jump off the wall um do like a kick to a guy or you can like do like a grab and stuff that seems quite interesting they seem to incorporate quite a bit of parkour into into this style yeah it'll be interesting once i get more time with it um like i said i think i've only really spent about an hour at most so i don't really know a great deal so far but look forward to to get back to it once again um and then the last game um before i do talk about it i do just want to slightly segue into rather than what i've played more kind of what i've bought which might be a bit confusing at the moment but i'll make things clear um before i left i did tell you guys i would have a surprise when i came back um now i will say that i got a little jealous from from mark when at christmas he ended up getting his uh his Nintendo Switch OLED. <laughs> oh, where's this going? <laughs> so, um, you might have heard, well, you might remember there was there was mention of a special edition coming out around the time that a game was coming out as well. I will just show you quickly on screen. I know you won't hear one on the podcast, but I did go and get myself yeah, the Tears of that. the Kingdom uh, OLED edition. So. I've I've joined the family. I've got an OLED now. Nice. Uh, it's gorgeous. I love it. I mean, first impression is is I'm, I've been quite impressed with it actually, like image quality wise, of like compared to the original Switch, it's very crisp. I'll give it that. Do you like the uh, improved back um, kickstand rest kickstand? Yeah, so much better. Like other than that flimsy little thing on the Switch. <laughs> But I just I, I really like the look of it when they, when they showed it off and I was just like think if, I'm, if I'm getting it OLED at any point I think this is gonna have to be the point so yeah got this and then obviously I've been playing Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom uh, since it's came well since I got back I've not delved too too much into it only about three or four hours in um, so far. I think I'm enjoying the story a lot more. I really like the introduction to it of like um essentially staff in like the dungeons underneath Hyrule Castle, um, with Zelda and Link, you know, you're looking into sort of like uh, look like the in the history of like um the land and stuff and some of the people that were around sort of, you know, years prior. Um they go a little deeper and then um end up getting stuck down there eventually they end up finding sort of like a a skeletal body which they appear they think it might be of our fellow mr gannon or ganondorf um but there's this swirling sort of red blackish kind of light that's going on it seems to be sort of weird and basically as soon as sort of link and zelda get anywhere near it um they essentially activate the body and it starts coming back to life um link tries to fight it but then it essentially it's he tries to fight with the master sword but then the sword's energy gets absorbed by ganon 
um, which essentially starts bringing him back to life and then pretty much destroys Link's right arm. Um, it's a bit gruesome. Uh, I like I like that the Master Sword gets destroyed and then it becomes more like the Master Dagger. And it's got like no energy left. It's not even a dagger this way, is it? Um, <laughs> I do like they've done something different with the Master Sword because it's always been like all the Zelda games is like the Master Sword is the thing that we need to, to beat the evil thing. Yes, must get it. But now it's like actually it's like worked in reverse. Now it actually helps the bad guy. It's like oh, yeah, yeah. That's not good. Um, Zelda falls down the chasm um, and suddenly disappears with a bright light. Um, Link gets sa- saved by a severed glowing hand, randomly. Um, and then he wakes up with this severed arm now attached to him, uh, replacing his right arm. And uh, it's uh, apparently it belongs to a an ancient character uh, named Ryu. I could get it wrong. I thought it was Rayuru or something like that. It could, something like that. One of, one of those words. Um, that's not dog speaking. <laughs> Raki? Um, and then adventure pretty much starts from there. You know, you make your way out of um, where you kept, I think, in the. Oh, what's it called? It's the Sky. Sky Island, I think it's called. The Great Sky Island, sorry. I think that's what it's called. And then pretty much like kind of Breath of the Wild, you get pretty much frustrated into it. No, no hand holding. Pretty much there you go. Now on with your adventure, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Is some trousers in the chest. Off you go. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, can't have Link naked, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, so you pretty much you start going around this great skyland. You, you need to pick up these. Um, abilities uh that power the hand um so you're able to then enter the temple of time so i mean the first few abilities that you pick up uh, i think the first one was ultra hand um which is basically like a souped up version of the magnet power from breath of the wild basically you can like pick up objects and then um mold them next to each other um if needed and you can make all sorts of contraptions and platforms and stuff to help you navigate around the world um normally through these shrines uh that you start learning these abilities from i think so far it's probably been the most useful um ability that you pick up early on um not sure you think about it if you've played it um i'd agree yeah so far it's the most useful power that i've got I'm not very good with it yet. I mean, I am trying to no, build certain yeah. things. Um, it does take a little bit of getting used to with yeah. not only finding out what's put together, but um, turning things as well. Because I'd struggled with getting things in the right placement. So I was yeah. fusing stuff together and then I'm having to break it apart again. So, and I had a few mishaps because I made a bridge and then I brought the bridge with me. And I end up fusing it, fusing, fusing it to one of those, do you know those like hover kind of metal hover things that you can use and move around to get onto certain objects. Yeah. Um, So I fuse my, yeah, I fuse my bridge to it and end up falling down and I'm like, oh no, it's gone now. I'm like, oh crap, (laughs) I'm never getting that back. Um, And I've, yeah, by accident, I've unfused something and like thrown myself off like into the abyss. That was funny. I've done all sorts of, all sorts of mishaps. 
I, I love what the community has been doing now. Just everything that they've been building. Oh my goodness. Some less than scrupulous things, but. I mean, come on! Like the first thing you're gonna make is something that's got a dick. Let's let's be honest. It's 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 the internet. I mean, some some of the stuff they've seen has been like mind blowing. Like some like the mech stuff people have been making. Yeah. Um, proper like war machines. Like I've seen like people make like um, like airplane type contraptions where they've got like oil turrets on and they're just like firing down on the enemies it's mental it's insane like them lasers um, just like absolutely decimating yeah bit bit suspicious the what what they're doing to some um Koroks as well it's a bit they, they are being mm. sacrificed <laughs> a little bit it's, it's quite um, yeah so so that was like i think that was the first ability i came across i think the next one was the, the next one I got fuse, was fuse. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I got fuse. So this is where you can essentially fuse um, one or more weapons or items together. Normally, you'd have one as a weapon, and then something else could be another weapon. Could be uh, could be a rock. Could be a mushroom. Anything really. Um, and basically, what it does it it helps um, with the durability of the weapon and also the um the attack power as well to a degree so um probably the most mental thing that i've made fused together so far was um a pitchfork and a like a uh no a, a horse sorry and they're both like long stick things so i was like i made this like massive javelin basically um it was a bit mental um i've seen i've seen some weird combinations like even like enemies confuse as well so they've got these um i forgot what they're called con conscriptors i think they might be called i could be wrong these new types of enemies um that seem to be made from the zonai te- technology yeah. um and there's one particular enemy that can like fuse different things um which has been a bit annoying um it has been using i've seen one use ways using like a fire dragon thing that's been irritating to come across um so that's that's one thing the other ability was the um ascend one as well which i don't know how useful that will be i can see in certain situations like um being in like dungeons if you want to get out quickly just ascend you'll go straight through that's that's quite helpful like getting a shortcut out of like long dungeons and stuff um so that's not been too bad or um like I used one where um, you can get this like uh, little almost like airplane kind of block that you can stand on to like drift down. I had one in the air kind of through it and then like ascended through it and like managed to stand on top of it, which was pretty cool. So oh, nice. um found that kind of use. Um, and then once you got all those, you go through the Temple of Time. Um, you end up getting one more ability, which is the Recall, which essentially rewinds time so any sort of objects or movements they've been doing can sort of rewind um which has been useful for certain puzzles so far um and then pretty much once you've got those you get to essentially ascend from um great sky island and you you end up landing in hyrule which is interesting i i should know before that your master sword gets nabbed by zelda through weird means i don't know what it means i think i've, I've got a theory i think I, I feel like at this 
wherever Zelda is, I think is in like in a different time than what Link is. I don't know. That or like probably like a universe or, or something. You know what Zelda's like with like parallel or alternate dimensions and stuff. Yeah. She's somewhere that Link isn't. But we'll see. You end up like for me personally, I, I'm now in Hyrule. Um, I've gone to like the central town that's near Hyrule Castle. I managed to sort of help them a little bit and get my first um, piece of the map uncovered um, in central Hyrule. And then now I'm just like, right, here's these four cities that you need to help pick one and go for it, basically. So something similar to sort of uh, Breath of the Wild, where it was kind of like you can go to help the Gorons or the you know the Zoras or the Garuds, Gerudos, um, in any order you want. So I'm pretty much there at the moment. I mean the scope of this game is incredible. I don't know how they've done it. Seeing some of the stuff that I've already seen online, it's a lot of people are already saying that I think it's like a closed shop for Game of the Year already. Don't know how truthful that is. There is some solid games that are already out this year that would probably contend that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far, in, enjoying my time uh, and time with it. Going to see where it goes. Like I said, not not to put too much hours in. Um, I do find that I feel like this game was harder than Breath of the Wild. I don't know. I'm, I seem to be getting killed a lot more than I recall being in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I'm getting killed more, but that's more because of my own stupidity than anything else. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to say that, but you know, I seem to be like I'm probably taking on enemies that I probably shouldn't be doing too early on, like the um, the stone creatures, the massive stone creatures that like threw their like hands at you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can't seem to like remember what I did in Breath of the Wild to kill them. I was like, I'm pretty sure like I used the bomb, but we don't have that ability now. So what do I do? I keep on trying to like combine bombs with like my arrows and using them, but they don't seem to be taking like any damage, so I'm at a loss of what I should be doing um, on those. Maybe I'll find out eventually. Probably. Yeah, maybe there's just a different combination you need to use. Yeah, but I've not um, taken one of them down yet, so I don't know myself. No, I've not done it. I'll need to see if we find out. Um, the only other thing that I've also done in this game that I'll mention is not only have like they've extended to sort of above higher rule as well. But they've also extended below it as well. So they've got these points in Hyrule that are called the depths um, that you can dive into. And they're pretty much like a whole other massive map underneath Hyrule. Like, I don't know how they've managed to like expand Hyrule this much and put this like so much into this game already that I've found. It's um, a bit daunting a little bit, actually. Like, I'm a bit like, yeah. I don't know what I should be doing at any one moment. Like, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? But then I'll, like, I'll just go over and just wondering why I do my own thing like find the shrines and start getting like my heart's open stamina and stuff but no I can't wait to dive dive more into this game honestly so that's that's what I've been playing then how about you Nathan what have you been playing yeah so I've been playing well this this was the game that I played directly after the last podcast now I don't know why but I thought to myself I want to play something a bit different now, this is a game that I bought a few months ago, and I bought it due to its controversy. So I'll put Yari in misery. It's Martha is Dead. Now, it's not normally a type of game that I'd go and play because obviously there's horror aspects there. But 
I bought it for the controversy because there's a couple of scenes in particular. The first one is you rip the face off of somebody and put it on. So there's that aspect that's pretty, pretty gory. Um, and you do get to choose if you want to skip these these particular bits. Um, I didn't. I was say, Samar, I don't think you would have skipped them. <laughs> and there's a second bit, which is a lot worse, where you basically rip the fetus out of a dead body with scissors. I did not skip that either. So, but anyway, just want to, want to lay it out there. We'll get the worst out of the way, and then we'll get onto the good. Is so, good? yeah, honestly, is absolutely amazing. This mind boggled me so much but i i loved it honestly if i could wipe my mind and play it again i would it's amazing but anyway um just a little bit about the game itself so you play as a girl called julia and she's got a twin sister called martha um it's set in 1944 in german occupied italy um and your dad is um like a german commander your mum's italian thus why you're in italy um, now, Julia, um, who you play as, has got, she's a an avid photographer, and that plays into the game. Um, but um, Julia goes to the lake to kind of have a look at what pictures have been taken, and she finds a dead body in the lake. Now, on, upon closer inspection, she finds that it's her sister Martha. Um, she's deaf, um, but that'll play into the story a bit later. And basically, she gets her sister's body out of the water, her parents come over to her and basically they say, Martha, are you OK? And she doesn't say anything. So they assume that she is her sister. Cause the, so she assumes the identity of her dead sister because she was always the favourite sister. So basically from that, you have to try and figure out who killed Martha. So you've got you basically it's a walking simulator. Um, so you have to kind of go around, get evidence and there's puzzle elements to it. You've got to take pictures as well. Um, and you can, this is quite interesting, but you can use certain films um, and certain overlays to get certain pictures to get like information. And there's a whole process of you developing the pictures as well, um, which is quite interesting. And because it's in the 40s, you basically got to pick up this film, take the picture, and then there's a dark room in the house that you use. Um, to develop the pictures um which is quite quite good i don't it's very it's heavily story driven so I, I i just want to try and get away from anything too much in the story because i do think it's worth playing i mean it took me about six or seven hours to complete i did it in a day i started at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon finished it about seven o'clock at night honestly i just loved it so much it gripped me early on and it was absolutely fantastic I normally I'm not one for anything horror and there's to be honest there are horror elements there are a couple of jump scares but it was absolutely fantastic and by the end your mind will be broken because you don't know what's going on or what's you don't know what's real anymore because before you start it there there are like screens that come up um, about like mental health and who you can contact because it's very mental health driven and you'll find that as you go through the game certain things that you thought are real or not and you'll find yourself at the very end questioning everything that you've done leading up to this point and after i finished playing it i i must have probably watched about five or six separate reviews just to try and piece together from my perspective 
what I'd actually played. Um, <laughs> but the time period is absolutely like fantastic in terms of like the, the setting. Um, the characters are gripping. It's it's absolutely fantastic. But um, yeah, it might be even one that you'd like, Mark. To be honest, because I know you don't like horror that much. But there's not there's not too much in terms of horror aspect to it. But if you are saying that if you are if you're a bit squeamish or don't like gore, then might not be one for you. But I'm not squeamish. Yeah, it might be okay. I could then. deal with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I will say originally when I started playing it, it was in Italian. Um, but I, because that's you're in Italy, so it it was all voiced in Italian. And I found myself like, I don't really want to read these subtitles. So eventually I managed to get into the settings and switch it to English that I was I was so thankful for because the subtitles, you can't pause it. And I'm not a very fast reader, to be honest. So it was going a bit too quick. So I was missing little portions of the story, but eventually managed to um, get that sorted. But yeah, fantastic game. Um, I'm, to be honest, I thought I might try and platinum it, but I'm a couple of um trophies away from doing it so I'll, I'll, i think i might need another extra hour hour and a half to do that but yeah i'm going to get onto it but subsequently after playing that i found out there was kind of a prequel to it um called um, the town of light and that was the story about julia's mom in a mental institution so there's kind of a, a bit of a tie on there but um but yeah i bought that and i'm not gonna i've not played it yet but I want to get the I want to get Martha's Dead Platinum and then I can move on to that. But it's absolutely astounding. Cannot recommend it enough. Big um, I, di- I didn't even realise that I'd like it that much because it's been on the pile for that long. And I don't know what made me want to play it. But I just thought, yeah, let's let's just give it a go. So, yeah. The next game that I've played, obviously, me and Matt have spoken briefly about um, Tears of the Kingdom. So I myself have only played a couple of hours of that and done a couple of shrines so i've got two of the powers so far so i've got the ultra hand and the fuse so i've not got the last one just yet uh, but personally from what i'm from what i've experienced of it it's 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 good um worthy successor to breath of the wild so far um enjoying the story the gameplay um trying to be a bit more creative with what i'm building um so i've done a couple of um boats saying that i tried to get across this um, expanse of water and i got one of my boats stuck so i had to effectively kill myself and then get back to shore so i could build another boat but i didn't have enough um, fans so it was pretty much just like a um one log with a fan at the back and i kept falling into the water a few times but (laughs) we got we got there in the end so but yeah anyway um i'm gonna call it breath of the wild then um tears of the kingdom yeah, only a couple of hours in on that one, but enjoying it so far. I probably will need your help at some point, Matt, but I'll give you a shout if I get onto any bosses that I can't beat. No, I'm sure. Because I um I had to get um, Matt to beat Ganon for me in uh, Breath of the Wild. I couldn't do it myself. <laughs> That's completely for It's not without trying. I I must have tried to beat him about twenty Try times. Try harder then. I did. Get good. I gave up and gave it to Matt. <laughs> I don't need to get good. Matt's good enough for the both of us. There's no wrong. At saying that, I beat Ganon because Matt did phase one, I did phase two, the easy bit. So I did my I part. I say you did like the easy fight. <laughs> I had to go through in the bloody difficult one. 
but yeah, that's short but sweet from me, but that's that's what I've been playing. What about you, Mark? Okay, so I uh, I've been playing Coffee Talk episode two, Hibiscus and Butterfly. Ooh, what a name! So, yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago I played Coffee Talk, the first one, which I really enjoyed. Uh, this pretty much plays exactly the same, really. But um, so this is a visual novel game where you play as the barista of a coffee shop called Coffee Talk in the city of Seattle, and the world is rather unique in that the fact that it's populated by various mythical creatures of folklore who coexist with humanity and this coffee shop is only open at night and over the course of 15 nights you are visited by a number of customers of various races and species and whilst they're there basically you converse with them and with each other about the trials and tribulations of their daily lives and in the middle of all this occasionally you will be asked to make them a drink because you're a coffee shop uh, so you play like a simple mini game where you try and make them the correct drink based on what they suggest to you. So they might tell you exactly what they want and you just put those ingredients together. or But mostly they will sort of like give you hints as to what they want. And you, and you just have to try and use your skill and knowledge to try and make them the correct drink. So they might say, oh, I want something coffee based, but with some spice and something a bit zesty with it. And then based off that information, you create what you can. So you've got your, the base of your drinks. So you've got your coffee, your tea, your green tea, your chocolate, your milk. And then, of course, the new ones, the hibiscus and butterfly pea, which is also known as blue pea. Pea? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I that's assume that's it's what the man said. So. Yeah. Blue pea. <laughs> is it pea? I don't know. Look it up. Um. But then you can uh, you also like add two other ingredients to on top of that basis on top of that base. So you've got ginger, mint, lemon, uh, honey, and cinnamon. Uh, also, you've got like an in-game phone. So there's like there's a there's a Facebook ripoff on, on it called uh, Tomato Chill, which I think is a really weird name, but that's what they've gone with. And you can add your customers on there. So if you give your customers the correct drinks, you become better friends with them on Tomato Chill. And it reveals more information about them. It's also got a thing called the brew pad. So that's basically a, res- a recipe list of all the drinks. But the drinks only appear once you've made them. So it's kind of like a part of the challenge is trying to unlock all the drinks in the brew pad. Uh, there's also a newspaper on, on there. So it's like full of like journalist blog entries that gives you a wider scope of the lore in the game. Uh, and then there's finally there's a music player. So it just allows you to change like the background music in the shop. And it's all very low-key, soothing stuff. Now, there's a new gameplay feature in this. So in the first game, that's exactly how it was. People come in, tell you stories, you listen, you join in, you make drinks. That's it. But now there's a, an extra little thing where they do where under your counter, you have now got a drawer. And this kind of reminded me a bit of um, Papers, Please. We have a little drawer, and then occasionally somebody might accidentally leave something behind in the shop or they might purposely give you something to then pass on to another person. And it becomes a bit of a memory game, like between each night, remembering to give them something or to give them back their thing. Um, 
outside of the, the story, they've got uh, the mo- two modes that returned from the previous game. So you got a challenge mode. So this is a quick fire timed mode where customers will request a drink and you've just got to make it. And then making the drink as extra time. And then the aim is to make as many drinks within before the time expires. And then, of course, you've got free brew. So that's just like a, as the name suggests, it's a nice relaxed experience where you can just make drinks to your heart content and you can just freestyle, make whatever you want and just experiment. You might even get you know, inspiration for real life drinks you might want to make. In terms of the characters, you've got some returning characters from the first game, but you've got a couple of new ones. Now, I have to say the first one that I met was a guy called Lucas. Uh, not a big fan of him because he described himself as a social media influencer. Your favourite people. I wanted to serve him a steaming cup of vomit, but alas, the game would not let me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really liked it. You know, I, I liked I really liked the first game. You know, I like my slice of life kind of stuff. It's a it's a cozy game. Mm-hmm. So. Real light to that. But I played one other thing as well. And that is the Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores DLC. I totally Ooh. forgot that that came out. Mm. So firstly, in order to play this, this DLC, you have to have completed the main story from Forbidden West. Mm. Otherwise, it just won't trigger. So briefly, you meet up with Silence and he gives you information about one of the Zeniths potentially up to no good in the area known as the Burning Shores, which is uh, obviously Los Angeles in the old world. So Aloy goes to Hollywood to uncover their, their plot. And upon arriving, she has a bit of an accident and meets a woman called Saker and is a member of the Quen tribe. And the Quen are a bit in disarray because as they were travelling across uh, the sea, uh, they were hit by a storm, and they ended up getting split up. And basically, Seika wants to go out and try and find the rest of the Quen, but her tribe is very reluctant to let her do so. And that's until Aelon comes along, and they reluctantly allow her to do it. And the story goes from there. So, throughout the majority of the DLC, you actually have Seika as a companion, which is quite unique. So, she, she's for pretty much most of, if not all, the story missions, she's assisting you along the way. Mm. And as with the main game, looks beautiful. I mean, it really is gorgeous. I mean, Forbidden West was actually gorgeous, but it's like the colour and the vibrancy of it. Uh, the design of the Burning Shores itself, I really liked because it's, it's a bit unique compared to all the other ones, is that it's made up of separate islands. That's what the Burning Shores are. It's a bunch of different islands put together. And each island is quite dense and got a lot of verticality to it. Uh, but it means um, this is the first horizon I've seen where there's no tall necks. Don't have any of them in this, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah. But uh, of course you have the uh, the sun wing. You know, your flying thing that you have. So that's probably your best mode of transport to get around. Um, but there's a pretty cool upgrade to that, which I won't say, but it's pretty cool. Um and then there's one part of the story which takes you to a location which will give you vibes of a famous 90s film, which I, re- I have to say I really enjoyed. 
A uh, couple of new features. You've got a few new machines, obviously, that you would expect. I'll tell you the most annoying one that I've come across, and that is one called the Bile Gut, which is a big fat toad machine that spits bile at you. And any oh, fight, nice. yeah, any fight I had with this thing, it just ended up spitting green gunk at me. And in the middle of the fight, the, the, the entire screen would just go green. I could barely see what was even going <laughs> on. Uh, there's a few collect- new collectible things as well. So you have figurines that you collect. I think there's five figurines that you can go and collect. And then you, once you've found them, you go and use them for a, a puzzle somewhere. Uh, and then we've got a new thing called aerial captures. So dotted around, you will find these audio recordings. And in order to listen to them, once you've discovered the, the, the actual recording bit, uh, it sets off a beacon that locates somewhere in the sky. And you have to fly there, set the beacon off, and you have to f- fly a, a flight path on your sunwing. And along the way, you collect other audio recordings and you listen to them as you're flying. And then at the end, you've got to you unlock like an image of the old world. So you, you know, like the vista points from oh, the, yeah. the main game. Basically, that's how each one of those ends with one of those images. Uh, there's also a new cauldron in there, which is pretty good. Uh, if you like those sorts of puzzles and all that. But in conclusion, there are a couple of plot threads that occur that pretty much confirm there's going to be Horizon 3. And, and these things will probably be further explored in it. But um, they just, one thing about it, this DLC, is that it's it's bookended with silence. So you start chatting with silence at the beginning, and then it ends with you chatting with silence as well. And without going into too much detail, from that final conversation, it seems silence still very much has a significant role in the game in the future. So it does make me wonder how they're going to resolve that, with obviously with the sad passing of Lance Reddick. Yeah. But overall, it's very enjoyable, if not massively long. I mean, the story's probably going to take you about six, seven hours. But if you do the other stuff, it'll take you a few more, maybe 12-ish, something like that. I've not mm. done quite everything yet, but I plan to. But it does seem to be bridging the gap between 2 and Future 3. So if you want to know the full story, I would highly recommend you to play it. And I think you could pick it up for, I think I picked it up for like 15, 16 quid, I think it was. So it's not too bad. But no, it was really good. I really liked it. And that's all I've been playing. Well, there you go, then. That's what we're going to be playing. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com where we post the Hall of Fame. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Ta-ra. Goodbye.